Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapter three of Eclipse, titled Motives. Ooh, motives. Haven't the chapter names been shit lately in Eclipse? Like, ultimatum, evasion, motives. It's a whole fat load of nothing. I'm rereading Lord of the Rings at the moment as well. And those chapter titles, like, they're good. They're good. Like, I was just reading one. It was quite a boring chapter, to be honest with you. It was just Sam and Frodo and Gollum just hanging out in the woods. But it was called, like, Of Herbs and Stewed Rabbit. And I was like, that's a great chapter title. Take some notes, Steph. It's like she's been using a word of the day calendar and every day she just wakes up and she's like, oh, that's a fun word. I'll make that the title of my chapter. It has nothing to do with it, but I'll just make that the title of my chapter. Why not? Anyway, before we get into this chapter, I just wanted to mention there's been some changes with Spotify lately. It beats me what's actually changed, but apparently you can add a rating to Spotify now. Uh, So I would encourage everyone who's listening to this podcast right now on Spotify to chuck us a rating, preferably five stars. I mean, you can be honest if you want, um, but I'd appreciate five stars. I don't really know what the purpose of the rating system is on Spotify yet. Like, I don't know if it actually matters at all, but like, hey, if you can spare the few seconds, chuck me a five-star rating. Thank you so much. If you're listening on Apple or somewhere else, chuck us a review if you can. Why not? It's a new year. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but yeah, I'm, I'm just putting out the ask. Okay, let's get into the chapter. So where we left off, there was the vague plan to go to Florida that weekend. There was lots of tossing and turning, but there was a vague plan to go to Florida. And I don't know if she'd actually said yes to it or if the flights were booked. It was all very last minute. But then we start chapter three and she's flying back from Florida already. So they did go and we didn't have to sit through the whole experience of being in Florida or catching the flight to Florida, or what happened in Florida, or coming back to Florida. She's just back in Forks. They're just traveling back to Forks. They must be in the car from the airport, heading home. And Edward's like, oh, you've been very quiet. Did the plane make you sick? Oh, did the plane make you sick? You've been so quiet. Oh, she's so fragile. Edward, she's fine. If the plane had made her sick, she would have been sick on the plane, not in the car ride home. And we do get a flashy to Florida, just like a little flashback of her and Renee. But my suspicion is, Stephanie said, I can't contrive a way to keep Edward out of the sunlight on this Florida trip, so I'm just going to skip over it. She didn't answer any questions about the time of day when they flew, 
How they got from the airport to Renee's house, was it, was it bright and early? We don't know. How did Edward manage to go a whole weekend without sparkling? Because remember in New Moon, Edward's suicide attempt was predicated on the fact that if he sparkles, people will know he's a vampire, which is a long bow. I don't know who in Volterra would have said, oh, that's a vampire, that guy over there sparkling. No one would have thought that. Speaking of the Volturi, don't they have some guy called Dimitri or something or other who can track vampires and know their whereabouts at all times or something like that? You don't think they'd have Dimitri just like keeping an eye on Edward and Bella to see if they'd escape anywhere because they had a pact to turn her into a vampire? I don't know if the Volturi are really that interested. Or they're just doing a shit job keeping tabs on them. Uh, Who knows? So Edward thinks that she's sick from the plane and she's like, nah. And he says, well, are you sad to leave Florida? And she says, nah, I'm actually kind of relieved. And he's like, what? And she says, Renee is so much more perceptive than Charlie in some ways. It was making me jumpy. And Edward laughs and he says, your mother has a very interesting mind, almost childlike, but very insightful, almost childlike. So we're back to the roast of Renee. We're just not going to cut Renee a break. She's got a childlike mind, apparently. And Bella's like, yeah, she can be insightful when she's paying attention. See, she's always got to chuck in a little dig. She was saying something nice about her mum, paying her a compliment. And she's like, but I better clarify that she only is insightful when she pays attention. Always got to slip in that little negative. She says most of the time, Renee was so bewildered by her own life that she didn't notice much else. But this weekend, she'd been paying plenty of attention. That's apparently because. Phil was busy playing baseball or coaching baseball or whatever the fuck Phil's doing. And she tells us that morning they'd gone for a walk along the beach. And she says she wanted to show off all the beauties of her new home, still hoping that the sun might lure me away from forks. And Edward was like, ah, I've got a term paper to write, so I can't go out for that sunny walk. See, now, if she was that insightful, she would have picked up on Edward never being in the sun. Stephanie's trying to make out like she's insightful because she noticed relationship patterns between Edward and Bella. But if she was really insightful, she'd be like, wait a minute, Edward hasn't eaten anything for the whole weekend. Edward hasn't gone outside. With the window open, Edward sort of glimmers. Why does he keep walking out at night and coming back with bloodstains on his show? Like, she's not insightful. She doesn't say shit all. So she tells us that Renee and her were walking along the sidewalk, trying to stay in the range of the infrequent palm tree shadows. So I thought, The whole point of the walk was to entice her with the sun, but they're sticking in the shadows. And also stupid Bella, remember when she moved to Forks in Twilight and she was like, I miss the warmth, I miss the heat, I miss the sun. Now that she's in somewhere sunny, she's like, ugh, gross. She's not happy anywhere. And she says, though it was early, the heat was smothering. The air was so heavy with moisture that just breathing in and out was giving my lungs a workout. Again, maybe you don't enjoy the heat, but also, I don't know if your lungs should be having a workout just, just to breathe in some humidity. Maybe you might need to get that checked, Bells. So her mum says, Bella, I'm worried. You and Edward, uh, you guys are more serious than I'd been thinking. And Renee, wh- what were you thinking? They were flying out to Florida together. If they weren't serious, I don't think he'd be going on a trip with her. And she's thinking, oh no, is Renee going to give me the sex talk too? She says, I didn't mind the way I had with Charlie. It wasn't embarrassing with my mum. After all, I'd been the one giving her that lecture time and time again in the last 10 years. That lecture, surely she's not talking about the sex talk. Surely Bella Swan was not giving poor old Renee the sex talk. She must be talking about some other sort of lecture because that's inappropriate. Anyway, Renee's whole gist is 
Edward's super protective. The way he looks at her is like he'll jump in front of a bullet to save her. And Bella's like, Haha, that's crazy. And then she says, he's very intense about you and very careful. And Bella Swan, she's graduating from the Gaslighter School of Edwin Cullen because she's like, ah, I think you're imagining things, mum. But on the inside, she's like, shit, I'd forgotten how much my mother saw. Oh, she's so perceptive. She can't tell when a vampire is under her roof, but she's so perceptive. She tells us something about her simple view of the world, cut through all the distractions and pierced right to the truth of things. Oh, her simple view of the world. She's so simple. Cut, Renee, some slack. Give the poor woman a break. I'm sick of this character assassination on Renee. And Renee's like, well, it's not just him. I wish you could see the way you move around him. You orient yourself around him without even thinking. When he moves even a little bit, you adjust your position at the same time, like magnets or gravity. So Bella doubles down on the gaslighting and she's like, you're reading mysteries again, aren't you? Or is it sci-fi this time? And her mum's like, um, yeah, but that's beside the point. And she's like, oh, you should stick to romance, mum. You know how you freak yourself out. Just truly, truly gaslighting her. And like, I've been feeling bad for Bella all this time about how Edward's been gaslighting her, but is she just as bad? I, I don't know. Maybe they're a match made in heaven. Maybe I'm only team Edward now because they're both shit and they deserve to be with shit partners. Maybe, maybe that's it. I don't know. But the gaslighting works because then her mum's like, oh, I'm being silly, aren't I? Would it have been that bad just to admit it and be like, yeah, I love him. Yeah, he is protective of me. And yeah, I do adore him. So I do orient my body towards him when he's in the room. Like what's, what's the big fucking deal? I don't know why she has to deny it. It's just like Stephanie's just trying to create conflict where there, there doesn't need to be any conflict. There's no real issue here, Steph, but she's trying to pull a conflict out of her ass to make the book more interesting. It's not working. And Bella tells us, it pained me to see how quickly she caved into my trivializing, especially since she was dead right this time. Then stop gaslighting. I just tell her you're right. You got me. And she says, oh, Renee was so easily swayed. Sometimes it's a good thing because not all of her ideas were practical. Again with the roast. So Renee's like, so this isn't enough for you to move back in with your silly mum then, is it? Gesturing at the ocean. And she's like, oh God, the humidity, it's too much. Oh, I can't handle the humidity. So Bella hates the humidity. She hates rain too. I just don't think she likes to get wet. I think she's a bit of a cat. She'll never be happy in the cold or the heat or the wet or the dry. She's never going to be happy. She's just such a sour, sour, sour sack. She can complain about anything. Remember when she was complaining that the forest was too green in Twilight? Oh, the forest, it was too green. Like, bitch, it's a color. That's what a forest looks like. Get over yourself. So that's the flashback over. She muses that her mum still was happy enough. She still looked at Phil with goo-goo eyes. And that was comforting. So she's more than happy to say that Renee has got goo-goo eyes, but she can't admit that she has goo-goo eyes for Edward. Also, goo-goo eyes. Why are we saying goo-goo eyes? So they get back to Charlie's house, which is what she calls it. She doesn't call it her house. She calls it Charlie's house. Like you've lived there for three years now, Bells. It's your house. And Charlie's doing that thing where he's peeking out of the curtain (laughs) and she can see him. So that's, that's hilarious. But she sighs. She's like, oh, of course, Charlie was waiting to pounce. How dare he greet his daughter who's returned from a trip, a trip from across the country. How dare he keep an eye out to make sure she's home safe. Also, I think he's probably relieved you came back since you've run out on him before. The first time you went away, you you ended up staying in Phoenix for a bit longer because you were in hospital crippled with so many limbs broken. And the next time you didn't even explain where you went. Yeah, I 
I don't begrudge him for being a bit relieved that you came back when you said you would come back. And so Edward's tensed and he's like, Charlie will be fine. He missed you. But she's like, well, then why the tension? Because, you know, she can sense Edward's tension. And Charlie's like, welcome home, kid. How was it? How was Jacksonville? And Sourpuss Bella, she just says, moist and buggy. And he says, oh, okay. So Renee didn't sell you on the University of Florida then. And she says, she tried, but I'd rather drink water than inhale it. How about, it was great, dad. Thanks for letting me go. I know you weren't happy about it, but I had a great time and I didn't fuck my boyfriend, you'll be happy to know. Like, would it be so bad to put a positive spin on something? Just one little thing. And Charlie's throwing them a bone. He even says to Edward, oh, did did you have a nice time? And Edward says, yes. (laughs) So yeah, great chat. And then Charlie says, I really missed you, Bells. The food around here sucks when you're gone. Oh, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. (sighs) It's not her job to cook for you, bro. And so she says, I'll get on it. And like, she just got home from a flight, a long flight. She's crossed time zones. Can she have the night off, Charlie? And then Charlie says, would you call Jacob first? He's been bugging me every five minutes since six o'clock this morning. I promised I'd have you call him before you even unpacked. And she says, I didn't even have to look at Edward to feel that he was too still, too cold beside me. Isn't he always still and cold? Isn't that his thing? He's a vampire. I don't know why this is any different. And she says, oh, Jacob wants to talk to me. And Charlie says, pretty bad, I'd say. He wouldn't tell me what it was about, just that it was important. And then the phone rings and Charlie's like, that'll be him. So she races into the kitchen to answer the phone. And she's like, hello? And it's Jacob. And he's like, you're back. And she says, oh, his familiar husky voice sent a wave of wistfulness through me. A thousand memories spun in my head, tangling together. And then she pictures all of their moments together. I doubt there's a thousand memories. Like you're best friends for two months. You fixed up a motorbike together and that's about it. You went to the movies once. Like what memories are there? If I had to picture memories of my best friend right now, I'd probably come up with like six instances, six moments. That's all I could pull out of my head. But she's, oh, she's got a thousand memories spinning together. A thousand of them. And she's like, yeah, I'm here. And Jacob says, why didn't you call me? And she's like, I just got home. And he says, I need to talk to you. And she says, yeah, I figured out that part all by myself, all by myself. Well, Charlie sort of filled you in as well, but now she figured it out all by herself that Jacob wants to talk to her. She's just being a bitch. So then Jacob says, are you going to school tomorrow? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I am. Why wouldn't I? So what, what do you want to talk about, Jake? And he's like, ah, oh, nothing. I just wanted to hear your voice. And she's like, oh God, I know, Jake, I've missed you so much. And he's like, all right, gotta go. <laughs> and she's like, what? <laughs> and he says, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. And she's like, oh, okay. And so then he hangs up. <laughs> Good chat. Good chat all around. Nothing like two best friends reuniting and having nothing to say. That's hilarious. And so Edward's like, uh, everything okay? And she's like, um, I don't know, actually. I don't know. I don't know what that was about. And she says it didn't make sense. Jacob was hounding Charlie all day just to ask me if I was going to school. And so she's pondering it over. She can't figure it out. Like, it's pretty obvious to me and I think to everyone else that Jacob thought she might've been turned into a vampire. Like that's kind of what it was. It was a checkup call. Like he doesn't actually care about your school attendance. That's not the, that's not the main purpose of the call, but whatever. And so she starts combing through the fridge, assembling ingredients for Charlie's dinner. Oh, this poor bitch. Assembling ingredients for Charlie's dinner. Is she even going to eat any of it? Or is she just cooking for Charlie? It's not fair. And then Edward's leaning against the counter, just watching. You could help Edward. I know human food repulses you, but you could help. And she's still pondering it over. She's like, oh, the school thing. 
that's probably the key. She says, the school thing seemed like the key to me. Of course it's the key. You didn't ask any other questions. It was a two second conversation. And, and the one thing he said, she's like, that's probably the point of the conversation. Oh, no shit. And she's trying to think it over. She's like, what, what would be the logical reason for him caring if I go to school or not tomorrow? It's like, oh God, figure it out. And she says, my brain refused to come up with any brilliant insights. Maybe I was missing some vital piece of information. Maybe you're just an idiot. And she thinks, what could have changed in the past three days that was so important that Jacob would break his long streak of refusing to answer my phone calls? What difference could three days make? And she just ponders it over. She says that like five fucking times. And it's been three pages of her thinking. And then finally she gets it. Finally the penny drops. Oh, and so does the icy hamburger in her hands. It slips through her numb fingers and falls to the floor. She's always dropping everything. I know clumsiness is her thing, but how come whenever something happens, she has to drop whatever she's holding? It's just not realistic. And she says, it took me a slow second to miss the thud it should have made against the floor. A slow second. I mean, a second is a second, but then she's like, oh, Edward's caught the meat. That's why it didn't drop on the floor. We don't care about the meat that you dropped. Get to your realization that you've just had. Edward caught the meat. Great. So we finally helped you in the kitchen. And she's thinking three days. Hadn't I just been thinking that three days could change everything? Three days, of course. A lot can happen in three days. A vampire conversion is three days. Did we know that before? Or is that just her assuming that a vampire conversion takes three days? I don't know, but apparently it takes three days. And so then she's like, oh, just going on and on and on and on and on about it. She suspects that maybe Charlie said something to Billy about Bella going for three days. And then Billy had jumped to conclusions and told Jacob he would jump to conclusions. And Jacob's assumed that she's no longer human. But then she's like, oh, but did he honestly think I would come home to Charlie if that was the case? Jacob thinks vampires are evil. So I don't think he would have put it outside of the realm of possibility that you would then kill your dad once you're a newborn vampire. I I think he's maybe assuming that would happen. And I don't know, Bella, why you're so dead set against that possibility. Like, it could happen, sis. Newborn vampires apparently kill everyone. That's why there's gang violence in Seattle. That's why Jasper tried to kill you last year. And he's been a vampire for years. Nah, but she thinks she's special, which of course she is. But let's skip over that for now. So then she says, oh my God, I think he was checking. Checking to make sure that I'm human. And Edward is also shocked. I don't know how he's shocked. He's like, oh, wow, okay. (laughs) And she says, oh, when we do do that, by the way, we should probably leave so that we don't break the treaty. And she says, and we probably won't ever be able to come back. And he's like, yeah, obviously. Did she just figure that out? Oh God, she's so silly. And so they must be like hugging in the kitchen. And Charlie goes, ahem. And they look and there's Charlie leaning against the door frame with his arms crossed. And he says, if you don't want to make dinner, I can call for a pizza. And she's like, no, that's okay. I can do it. And she says, I sighed and got to work trying to ignore my audience. So they're both just watching a cook dinner. Can somebody help a bitch out? So then it's the next day, they're driving to school. And Edward says, if I asked you to do something, would you trust me? And she's like, where's this going? And she says, uh, that depends. And she can tell that he's anxious. She says his hands were clenched tight on the steering wheel, his knuckles straining in an effort not to snap it into pieces. I think as a cool, calm, collected vampire, he should be a bit more chill but he thinks the werewolves are the ones with anger issues. Yet here he is about to snap a steering wheel in half. And they pull into the parking lot and she's like, all right, what do you want me to do? And he says, stay in the car. I want you to wait here until I come back for you. She's like, but why? And then she sees Jacob. 
and she says he would have been hard to miss towering over the students the way he did, even if he hadn't been leaning against his black motorcycle parked illegally on the sidewalk. (laughs) Parked illegally. (laughs) And Edward says, you jumped to the wrong conclusion last night. He asked about school because he knew that I would be where you were. He was looking for a safe place to talk to me, a place with witnesses. Okay, when did you figure that out, Edward? Could you not have filled us in? He's always so withholding with information, isn't he? And she just says, all right, so I'd misinterpreted Jacob's motives last night. All right, potato, potato. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And so she says, well, I'm not staying in the car. And Edward's like, oh, God, of course you're not. And he says, all right, let's get this over with. So they get out of the car and Jacob's face hardened as they walked toward him hand in hand. Poor Jacob. He's just a jealous boy, isn't he? And then she noticed all the other faces of her schoolmates just staring at Jacob being like, damn, he fine. She says they took in all six foot seven inches of Jacob's long body, muscled up the way no normal 16 and a half year old ever had been. Ever. No other 16 and a half year old had ever been this jacked. Despite the fact that everyone up at La Push is this jacked at the moment because they're all fucking werewolves and they all had this huge growth spurt during puberty. So there's like eight muscle men up in La Push, but nah, no one had ever been as jacked as this 16 and a half year old. Also, why are we saying 16 and a half year old? Just 16, we'll do it. Just 16. You don't have to say how many months he's been born as well. He's not a newborn. You stop counting months when you're like two years old. But now Bella's specifying that no one's ever been as jacked as this 16 and a half year old. Maybe there's some 17 year olds out there this jacked, but no one is that jacked when they're 16 and a half. So all the eyes are raking over his tight black t-shirt. 
short-sleeved, even though the day was unseasonably cool. Unseasonably cool? I thought Fawkes was just cold every day, but now it's unseasonably cool. But he's leaning in this short black shirt with his grease-smeared jeans, leaning against a glossy black bike. Like, that, that's kind of hot. That's kind of hot. Apart from him being 16 and a half, that's actually not that hot. Um, I'm, I'm picturing someone of legal age, like a Marlon Brando type figure. I'm not saying that he's hot. Oh boy. Oh, reading books about teenagers, it gets complicated, doesn't it? <laughs> Oof. Just for the record, I'm not attracted to teenagers. Let's move on. Okay. Um, oh, right. So even though her schoolmates are like staring at him thinking, damn, he fine. Uh, they're also giving him wide berth because they think he looks dangerous. And she's like, dangerous? How could Jacob ever be dangerous? How odd. It's like, bitch, he's a werewolf. Of course he's dangerous. And Edward's like, you could have called. And he says, sorry, I don't have any leeches on my speed dial. I mean, you you just called Bella last night. You could have just said, hey, put me on the phone to Edward because Edward was obviously there. And even Edward says, well, you could have just reached me at Bella's house, dude. And Jacob's jaw flexed and he didn't answer. So Jacob's like, what? You're hanging out at Bella's house? Of course he is. And Edward says, this isn't the place. Can we talk about this later? And Edward's like, yeah, sure. I'll just stop by your crypt after school. (laughs) Hilarious. And Edward says, well, I already know what you came to say because I read fucking minds. So message delivered, consider us warned. And Bella's like, warned? What are you talking about? And Jacob's like, whoa, you didn't tell her? What, were you afraid she'd take our side or something? And Edward's like, drop it, Jacob. And she's like, what don't I know, Edward? Tell me, why aren't people telling me things? She's just having a full on meltdown outside in the parking lot. And so Jacob says, he didn't tell you that his big brother crossed the line Saturday night. And Edward's like, it was no man's land. So when Jacob first said he crossed the line, I thought he meant like metaphorically, but no, they're talking about the actual boundary line marking the werewolf territory and the vampire territory. Apparently there's a no man's land. And then Bella, stupid freaking Bella. She's like, oh my God, no, Emmett and Paul, were they fighting? Oh no, did anyone get hurt? Like, oh my God, they're vampires and werewolves. They can look after themselves. You can stop worrying. And Edward says, nah, everyone's fine. No one fought, no one got hurt. Don't be anxious. Maybe if you'd told her this beforehand, she wouldn't be in such an anxious spiral right now. And Jacob's like, oh God, you haven't told her anything, have you? Is that why you took her away? So she wouldn't know that. And then he gets cut off because Edward says, leave now. And she says, Edward's face was abruptly frightening, truly frightening. For a second, he looked like, dot, 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 like a vampire. That's exactly what he is, Bella. Like, is this a revelation too? And so then she's realizing, she's realizing that there's something Edward didn't want her to know. Oh God. Yeah, welcome to the conversation, Bells. Like, she even had the hunch when Alice had the vision. She was like, something's up. But then she was just like, oh, la-da-dee, la-da-da. I trust what my boyfriend tells me. Well, he lied to you, hun. And she's thinking, what was it? What would the Cullens and the Wolves both be in the woods about? What would cause Edward to insist that I fly across the country? What had Alice seen in a vision last week? A vision Edward had lied to me about. What could it possibly be? And then finally she's like, oh, it's Victoria. And like, yeah, obviously. The Victoria threat never went away. It didn't get resolved last book. Why did she forget about Victoria? And she's having a full on meltdown. She says she heard the quick gasp, 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 gasp of the air dragging through her lips. So like a, (laughs) something like that. And she's, she's crying. She says, 
It's like the school was shaking like an earthquake, but I knew it was my own trembling that caused that illusion. So she's shaken like a leaf. And she says, oh my God, she came back for me. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think she ever really left. And Edward's like, it's fine, it's fine. I'll never let her get close to you. It's fine. And then he's like, thanks a lot, Jacob. (laughs) And Jacob's like, you don't think Bella has a right to know it's her life. And I think I side with Jacob on this one because like, what's Edward's plan here? They can't just fly to Florida every weekend that Alice has a vision that Victoria's gonna visit. Like what if Victoria comes in the middle of the week? What if she comes at an inconvenient time when you can't fly away? What if you run out of flight vouchers? It's not the best of plans, Edward. And Edward says, why should she be frightened when she was never in danger? And Jacob says, better frightened than lied to. Hmm. Okay. I see both of their points, but I'm kind of siding with Jacob. Oh, and then Bella gives us the whole rundown about why Victoria hates her and how James died and she loved James. And so she wants to kill the love of Edward's life because Edward killed James. Like, oh God, we know. And Edward says, do you really think hurting her is better than protecting her? Like maybe stop talking about her like she's not there. Maybe, maybe ask for her input instead of you both assuming what she wants or doesn't want or how to protect her like she's some fragile creature, which she is. <laughs> but no, Jacob says she's tougher than you think and she's been through worse. And then Jacob's staring at Edward. <laughs> and what he's doing is in his mind, he's like, picturing when Edward abandoned her and how depressed she was and everything. So he's just like replaying it back in his mind like a movie. And then Edward's cringing because Edward reads minds. And Edward apparently looks so pained, like he's being tortured by that chick from the Volturi again. It's like, Edward, just stop listening in. Like, stop stop reading his mind. Just block him out if it's that problematic for you. And if I were Jacob discovering this power that I could just play things in my head to make Edward see. I would be, I would be fucking with him every day, every goddamn day. I'd be doing that thing they do in Harry Potter with the boggart. You know how Neville pictures Snape and then he pictures Snape wearing like his grandma's dress and holding his grandma's handbag. I'd be doing that same thing to Edward. I'd be picturing him in a range of comical situations. Oh, how we'd laugh and laugh and laugh. And Bella's like, what are you doing to him, Jacob? Stop, stop what you're doing, Jacob. Like, oh my God, calm down. And Edward's like, oh, it's okay, Bella. Jacob just has a good memory, that's all. And she's like, stop it. Stop whatever you're doing. (laughs) It's like, calm down, it's just a memory. I don't think it's physically hurting Edward that much. So then Edward can sense that the principal's on his way to say, stop loitering on school property. And he's like, go to English, Bella. So you're not involved. And Jacob's like, geez, he's overprotective, isn't he? And Jacob says, a little trouble makes life fun. Let me guess, you're not allowed to have fun, are you? I don't know really how, how that came into it, Jacob. Um, we were just talking about Victoria trying to murder her. So I don't know where having fun comes into it, but okay, whatever. And Jacob says, well, if you ever feel like having a life again, come and see me. I've still got your motorcycle in the garage. And then he says, I think I might've been wrong before about not being able to be friends. Maybe we could manage it on my side of the line. Come and see me. And then she's shooting a look at Edward because clearly he's not gonna let her go to La Push. And then Jacob says, I miss you every day, Bella. It's not the same without you. This I do not understand. What positive impact did Bella have on Jacob Black's life? Like, I, I don't see it. I don't think she's fun. I don't think she's funny. I don't think she is intelligent. I don't think she's good for a conversation. I mean, what did she, what did she bring? 
Like they couldn't even go to the movies without her bringing along a Debbie Downer of Mike Newton. And it's like she ever helped put the motorbike together. Like, what do you miss? Her company wasn't great. She was clinically depressed the whole time. Like maybe once she threw you a slice of pizza and it turned into a wrench and like that was a fun moment, but like, that's about it. Like, what, what are you missing? So then the principal gets there and he's like, all right, everyone go to class. Come on, move along. Cause everyone was waiting around thinking that there was going to be a fight. So the audience melts away. And then Mr. Green, he's like, uh, Mr. Cullen, any problem here? And he's like, nah. And so then he looks at Jacob and he's like, new student here. And it's like, well, if you're the principal, you should know. And Jacob says, nah. And so then Mr. Green says, all right, well, um, I suggest you get the fuck out of school property. Like, what are you doing here, dude? He's like, I'm going to call the cops if you don't leave soon. And then Jacob smirks because he's like, as if Charlie would arrest me kind of a thing. And so Jacob says, yes, sir. He snaps a military salute and then he hops on the bike and he rides off. So then the principal says, Mr. Cullen, I expect you to ask your friend to refrain from trespassing again. And he says, no friend of mine, Mr. Green. Mr. Green, are you going to acknowledge Bella standing there? Again, they're just all talking around like Bella doesn't actually exist. Can we pay some attention to the main character? And the principal and Edward are just having a full on chat. And then finally, finally, at the end of the conversation, he's like, all right, we'll get to class. Oh, you too, Miss Swan. Oh, so you do know she exists. So then they're walking towards the English building. Apparently they have a whole building for English. Is this an American thing? Is this, is this normal in schools to have different buildings for each of the subjects? Like I get it for science because you have labs and shit and like computer class, you'd have computer rooms, but I mean, do you have to have a special building just for the English language? And Edward says to her, do you feel well enough to go to class? Well enough, she's fine. Like what's the big deal? She didn't get hurt. She's not actually sick. And she says, yeah, I'm fine. But she says, not quite sure if this was a lie. So she's so rattled she can't go to class. Did she come down with food poisoning that I'm not aware of? So they get into class and she's like, I need to talk with Edward, but it's going to be so hard to talk in class. And the teacher, Mr. Birdie, he's reciting a frost poem. Oh, I wonder what poem that is. And so because she can't speak out loud, she yanks out a page of a notebook and starts writing a note to Edward saying, what happened? Tell me everything and screw the protecting me crap, please. So then he writes a whole paragraph saying, Alice saw that Victoria was coming back. I took you out of town merely as a precaution. There was never a chance that she would have gotten anywhere close to you. Then why did you go all the way to Florida? Seems to me that you isolated her further and gave her like eight less protectors because she would have had all the wolves and all the vampires protecting her. But now she's just got you in the sun in Jacksonville. Doesn't add up to me. We know Victoria can track people to airports. She's done it before. He says, Emma and Jasper nearly had her, but she seems to have an instinct for evasion. She escaped right down the boundary line as if she were reading it from a map. So is there a no man's land? Unclear. He says, it didn't help that Alice's abilities were nullified by the pack's involvement. To be fair, the pack might've gotten her if we didn't get in the way. Then the big gray one thought Emmett was over the line. So he got defensive, Rosalie reacted. And then everyone left the chase to protect their companions. So they all just ditched Victoria. They said, oh, well, let her be <laughs> so that we don't fight amongst ourselves. <sighs> Can they not team up? Like, seriously, guys, seriously. One vampire among the lot of you, you should have killed her months ago. And then he says, Carlisle and Jasper got things calmed down before it got out of hand. Which reminds me, why is Jasper not using his calm down powers a bit more often? 
you have one vampire that can affect mood. Can't you just get him close to Victoria and then make Victoria calm and less murderous? Maybe send her some happy thoughts so that she cheers up and doesn't want to kill people. Like, can't you just do that? And so then she's looking at the piece of paper and she's frowning and she's like, oh my God, everyone was in on it. Everyone. And then she says, it might so easily have turned into a fight, pitting my future family and my old friends against each other. And any one of them could have been hurt. And then she imagined the wolves being in the most danger. Don't know why. And then she said, but picturing tiny Alice next to one of the huge werewolves. Oh, frightening. Alice would have been fine. Like, Alice has just the same amount of strength as Edward. Just because she's shorter doesn't mean that she can be so easily killed. She's still a vampire, you dummy. <sighs> so then she writes, what about Charlie? She could have gone after him. And Edward's like, nah, Charlie was fine. Which is the complete opposite of the reasoning you used in Twilight. Remember you had to escape to Phoenix and you had to break Charlie's heart just so it would appear that you weren't coming back so that Charlie wouldn't be killed. And then you had Emmett circling around the house to protect Charlie. Everyone was watching over Charlie. But now Edward's like, oh, who cares about Charlie? Charlie would have been fine. We're just using completely different logic than we used in Twilight. And so she says, you can't know what she was thinking because you weren't here. Florida was a bad idea. And he says, well, if I sent you off alone, the plane would have crashed because she's got bad luck. Apparently she'd bring down the plane, which is just so condescending and rude. And so she says, well, if my bad luck did crash the plane, what exactly were you going to do about it? And he said, well, why is the plane crashing? And she said, well, the pilots are passed out drunk. And he says, easy, I'd fly the plane. And she says, well, both engines have exploded and we're falling in a death spiral toward the earth. I don't know why we're just acting out this hypothetical plane crash when there's real issues that are just getting swept under the rug. She has every right to still be angry at him, but uh, she's getting charmed by this conversation about a plane crash. And Edward writes, I'd wait till we were close enough to the ground, get a good grip on you, kick out the wall and jump. Then I'd run you back to the scene of the accident and we'd stumble around like the two luckiest survivors in history. Meanwhile, all the rest of the passengers and the crew have just perished because Edward didn't think to save them as well. His big plan is that he'd just save her, fuck everyone else off, let them crash and burn and die and then wander around their corpses looking like lucky survivors. Yep, great plan, Edward but she's shaking her head in awe. She's in awe of that great plan to let everyone on the plane die. And then she says, you will tell me next time. And he's like, "Mm, okay. He doesn't say that. He just nods once. And that's pretty non-committal if you ask me, but she's like, thanks, Edward. Oh God, your promise means a lot. (laughs) Get it in writing. Did you notice how you're writing all this down? And he just gives you a little head gesture, the slightest little nod, instead of picking up the pen and confirming it in writing. You should have got that shit in writing, Bells. And then Mr. Birdie's there all of a sudden. He's like, what are you two doing? Writing notes? And then he picks it up and it's actual notes from the lesson that Edward must have slipped in. And then she tells us later in calculus, she's sitting there without Edward because it's her one lesson without Edward. And she starts hearing the gossip. And the first thing she hears someone say is my money's... Okay, I actually, let me just put this out there. It's a direct quote from the book. I'm not comfortable saying it, but I have to bring it up because I think it's shit that it was included in the book. But someone says, quote, my money's on the big Indian, end quote, which I don't feel entirely comfortable with. I don't know why she had to write that. I don't know why it's included. And then everyone in the class, just like Tyler, Mike, Austin, Ben, they're talking about who would have won in the fight, Jacob or Edward. And they all start using 
their names. They're like, oh, 10 on Jacob. And someone else is like 10 on Cullen. Someone else says 10 on Edward. And the other one says, I've got money on Jacob. So they, they know their names. They even know Jacob's name, even though he doesn't go to that school. So why are you referring to him as an Indian? It's just, it's not good. I don't think it cuts the mustard. I don't know if it adds anything to the text. I think she should have cut that out. You could have said anything. You could have said to the big guy in the muscle teeth, to the bikey, to that big hunk with the greased up jeans. Like you could have said anything, but uh, anyway, that made me uncomfortable. So everyone's making bets. And then they look over and realize that Bella's sitting within easy hearing distance. And then they all look away, shuffling the papers on their desk, like all sheepish. And Mike says, I still say Jacob. And that's the end of the chapter. How they didn't realize that Bella was within earshot when she's sitting right near them. Like, I'll never know. Like you guys weren't whispering. What a dud note to end the chapter on, by the way. Like, oh, uncomfortable. So next chapter is called Nature. Another thrilling chapter heading. I'll see you guys next week to cover that. Any thoughts, opinions, questions, concerns, grievances, hit me up on Twitter, Instagram. You can also go to speakpipe.com slash breaking down bad books to leave a voicemail. And I'd encourage you all to also go over to patreon.com slash breaking down bad books if you want to get in on the bonus content. Every Friday, I release a new episode breaking down a chapter of Fifty Shades Darker, soon to be Insurgent. That's $3 a month if you're interested. You just go over to patreon.com slash breaking down bad books and put in your pledge. You don't get charged till the first of the month. So if you put in a pledge now, you'd get a few weeks free, like a little free trial. And yeah, as I said at the top of the show, if you're on Spotify, chuck us a rating. Five stars, please. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.